Hello and welcome to another episode of the Fellow Mass series on Musings. Uh, this is Charles with the Legendary Digital Commons Research Cooperative. And for this episode, we're going to be going over uh, artificial swarm intelligence. <laughs> I'm not sure if you guys have, uh, have heard this one before, but hopefully you find uh, uh, this episode interesting. And so before I uh, get to the you know, quick overview of the episode, I just want to let you guys know that you can all support uh, uh, this podcast and the work that goes on at Electric Digital Commons Research Cooperative by giving out a donation uh, directly on our website or by uh, contributing uh, to us by you know, helping us complete some of our work or even uh, just sponsoring uh, our work, including this podcast. And so t- for an overview of this episode, I'm just going to discuss... Uh, less collective intelligence, uh, how that relates to swarm intelligence, and then uh, what is swarm intelligence, and lastly, what are some of the applications of artificial swarm intelligence. So starting off with collective intelligence, <coughs> collective intelligence is often used uh, synonymously and sorry for, <laughs> sorry about that. Uh, I bit my tongue a couple days ago and still kind of uh, causing a problem with my speech. So sorry if that's, you know, uh, causes any problems uh, with this episode. But uh, collective intelligence, uh, uh, CI for short, has all been used synonymously with crowdsourcing and the wisdom of the crowds. And so uh, collective intelligence, you know, uh, compared with. Uh, uh, individual intelligence, the big difference is really that it's at the collective level, so you're looking at uh, really at the group level, not for not the uh, individual. So, uh, with collective intelligence, uh, you're not really you know, too concerned about how uh, intelligent any of the specific individuals are in the group, you're just really you know, concerned about how the group itself, uh, how intelligent uh, it is. So, you know, describing uh, a CI. Uh, at CI really is uh, an emergent phenomenon that arises from the interaction of uh, bottom-up and uh, top-down processes in a group. So when we talk about bottom-up, there's just a local interaction between uh, group members that helps facilitate collaboration. So you know, people just talking, or uh, or for example, let's say you have like a Google Doc, and you know everyone's writing on the Google Doc. So that would be kind of a, an example of bottom-up. And then for top-down, this is really your group norms and structures. So it's just how, you know, uh, the group itself kind of expects to, uh, to operate. So, you know, going back to a group project on, on a Google Doc, you know, let's say one person's role is to write, the other one's to edit. And, you know, usually it's expected that, you know, whoever, you know, uh, does the writing, does the editing, and the person who has to, you know, uh, you know, if you have a presentation, the person who has to present, uh, you know, usually is the person who didn't have to put in as much work uh, with the writing and editing. So that's kind of like an example of a group norm. Uh, so that's, uh, you know, an example of the of uh, top-down processes. And so when it comes to this group, you know, uh, you know, a really interesting thing is that you can also take a look at. Uh, these groups as complex adaptive systems, uh, which is really is a system which in itself can adapt to its environment, and you know usually deals with 
uh, a complex environment. <clears throat> so usually not something that's pretty much just not straightforward. But at the same time, it's not like completely chaotic. You know, it's like it's right in between. And one of the really interesting things is that uh, peer production uh, is also a pretty good example of collective intelligence. So if you look at like Wikipedia uh, or even OpenStreetMaps, you just see you know, people coming together and just adding uh, all this information uh, to these you know, uh, shared uh, repositories. And then you know, it all comes together <laughs> into you know, something that's you know, pretty beautiful. So then if we're just using like uh, Wikipedia as an example, uh, you know, if we look at the bottom-up processes, the local interaction would just be people uh, creating articles and then uh, editing articles. So, you know, adding as much as they can, and then, you know, you have the editor who comes in, make sure that uh, uh, the actual edits are okay, and then signs off. Uh, so that's kind of a, an example of the bomb up, and then when it comes to the top down, this is like Wikipedia's writing policy, and also you know the uh, other you know policies which are on Wikipedia for creating and uh, maintaining articles. So I'm, if I'm remembering correctly, one of them is that uh, you always want to use uh, I think it's primary sources, or at least not talking like first person, since. Do you want to make it, uh, you know, just like an encyclopedia, which it is? But you know, that's part of the uh, of the top down. Those are the group norms and structures, which structures the way you write the articles. So that's uh, an example of the top down, like uh, Wikipedia. Uh, so hopefully that makes sense. And of course, Wikipedia itself is also a very good example of peer production. So. That's kind of just uh, hopefully a good example of showing how peer production uh, is pretty much just like another form of collective intelligence. So when we come to, you know, uh, one to send them switch, uh, hopefully you've heard of this crowdsourcing, which is just pretty much just asking a crowd for uh, for information or to solve a, solve a problem. So you, know, you see crowdsourcing uh, a lot these days. So you probably have seen like a lot of crowdsourced databases or repositories, uh, you know, even technically Wikipedia itself is also an example of, uh, of crowdsourcing. And some of the other things to really keep in mind when it comes to CI is, uh, as I said uh, a bit earlier, it's not about the individual's intelligence level, it's about the collective uh, intelligence level. And so really one of the big things for uh, CI is really just determining how, uh, you know, just a group's capacity to perform a wide uh, range of tasks. So, for example, going back to Wikipedia, how do we collect information and create an encyclopedia? Or even uh, something that's more like a question and answer uh, uh, platform and just like, you know, how do we answer questions or even just make predictions about the future? So, uh, you know, that's one thing came in mind with, uh, with CI. It's really just like, what's it actually, you know, measuring? It's just how, you know, just the possible, uh, ability for a group to perform across a wide range of tasks. And so some of the requirements to make CI really work is that you need a diverse, diverse, sorry, diverse number of participants uh, to help reduce individual biases and social influence. And some benefits uh, should be provided to the participants. It could be monetary or non-monetary. So those are some of the things to, uh, to keep in mind uh, with CI and at least one of the really interesting things is that you know more often than not you know using 
you know, uh, CI tends to, you know, uh, most of the groups, you know, they tend to be more often correct than each individual, and they had just given their own response. So, you know, crowds themselves tend to outperform uh, individuals. So that's one of the reasons why crowdsourcing is such a huge, uh, huge deal and, you know, huge uh, incentive for, uh, for a lot of platforms to crowdsource uh, data and opinion as much as they can. Uh, so moving on from, uh, from collective intelligence, move on to a, uh, an actual subset of collective intelligence uh, called Swarm Intelligence, uh, uh, SI, uh, for, uh, for the acronym. So SI is the uh, collective behavior of uh, decentralized, self-organized systems. And so SI is actually a natural phenomenon, which uh, enables social species to quickly converge on optimized group decisions by interacting as real-time closed-loop systems. <laughs> so uh, I'll just kind of uh, break that down a little bit. So uh, really to kind of understand SI and to make it, you know, really easy to understand is that, you know, it, with SI, it's really just they have individual agents uh, in the system who are just making local decisions uh, with other agents and their environments. And eventually this gets uh, reflected at the global or uh, group level. So, you know, that's where uh, CI comes back to, uh, to relate to this. And so, since you are in the centralized system, it's pretty much just that, you know, every agent is just kind of trying to figure things out as they're going about <laughs> throughout their day. And, uh, and then eventually a pattern emerges uh, at the global level. And uh, as I said earlier, you know, SI is a natural phenomenon. It generally does occur in a, uh, some species, generally social species. So, some of the biological groups where this actually uh, occurs uh, you'll see it with schools of fish, flocks of birds, uh, swarms of bees. So you know, if you see uh, uh, a flight of starlings, uh, sorry, starlings, and you know you just see them flying, or you know, or even other flocks. For example, storks. You know, you might see a flock of storks, and you just see like hundreds of birds all flying together. And you're just wondering, like, how are they coordinating with each other? You know, it's like, is there a leader? Is there, you know, someone's got to be coordinating all this? And it turns out, like, no, there is no leader. Uh, you know, they're supplying uh, SI to uh, figure things out. Uh, and, you know, as I said uh, a bit earlier, it's not that, you know, trying to figure this thing out at a group level. It's just that, you know, this pattern of behavior emerges at the group level. So, you know, for each... Uh, uh, let's just stick with the fly of sterlings. For each individual starling, you know, they're not actually trying to figure out where everyone is uh, in the flight. All they're trying to, you know, all the individual starlings are actually trying to do is just figure out locally what they need to do. So just looking at, all right, so where, what's the position of all these other starlings which are uh, right next to me? Okay, I see that, you know, these people are... Uh, you know, a little too close, so let me move a little bit far away. These people are too far away, I need to move a little bit closer. And so, you know, just trying to figure out how to avoid collisions and, you know, make sure that, uh, you know, they're smooth flying. So, you know, just maintain distance, maintain, you know, generally uh, around the same speed. And so, you know, this is just local decisions made by each starling. Like, none of them are actually, 
you know, trying to make this a group level where they're trying to examine everything everyone else is doing, nor is there an actual leader starling telling them how to organize. You know, they just make these local decisions, and then through making these local decisions, you know, you get this group uh, 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 pattern, uh, which is the flights. And, you know, when you see a flights of, you know, starlings, it's just pretty beautiful. And you're just like, man, how are they doing this? And it's like, well, you know, it's all decentralized. <laughs> They're just uh, figuring things out. And most importantly, you know, this is all happening in real time. So it's not uh, asynchronous as usually, you know, uh, as we usually have it when we're uh, interacting with each other online. You know, usually it's like, you know, I leave a message. Uh, and then someone replies to like the next 10 minutes or within the next hour or, or you know whatever you know you have that uh, temporal uh, disconnection but for uh, 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 but for fly starlings and for uh, you know just uh, SI in general these are real-time systems so everyone's figuring everything out uh, as of so it's synchronous communication and so that's one thing that uh, they have, and unfortunately for us humans, we don't really have uh, the seems to the natural ability to use SI. But uh, of course, you know, using our super advanced brains, you know, brain power, uh, we've been able to create some artificial uh, methods uh, to actually uh, simulate a biological swarm. And so this is something you'll see with, uh, especially in robotics, you'll see swarm robotics. That's one of the big uh, uses of of uh, artificial swarm intelligence. It's just to coordinate robots. Uh, and then also, you know, you can actually use this for people. Uh, and that's something I'm actually going to get into when I discuss the business applications. So regarding uh, some of the properties of, a, of an actual SI system, you know, there are you know, four properties you usually expect uh, them to have. Uh, one, uh, expect it to be composed of many individuals. Uh, two, usually expect the individuals are relatively homogenous, so they're pretty much identical or uh, belong to a few typologies. Uh, third, uh, the interactions among the individuals are based on simple behavioral rules. That's uh, exploit local information and individuals exchange directly with each other or via their environment. Uh, so another example uh, is also with ants. So when uh, ants are uh, searching for food, they'll uh, they'll leave pheromones uh, to roots that they th that they think has you know high quality food. So that's where stick merging comes in, and stick merging just really uh, describes just the pattern of leaving information for. Uh, another agent to take on at a later point in time. And so that's what ants do with pheromones. They'll leave their pheromones to uh, roots which have quality food so that you know, other ants can find it later on and uh, pick it up from there. And then fourth, uh, the overall behavior of the system uh, results from the interactions of individuals uh, with each other or with their environment. So, uh, and another, you know, way of describing this is just self-organization. So, you know, self-organization, you know, it really comes from just people just interacting locally uh, with each other and with their environments. You know, so they're not directed by anyone. So, you know, if there's any directing, you know, uh, 
or you know coaching then you don't have self-organization so that's one of the really uh interesting things about uh you know these uh these systems you know once again no leader and so you know given these four properties and uh, the behavior of these uh systems you know you get some really really interesting uh uh benefits and abilities to design these systems to actually uh, provide you with some scalability, uh, the ability to work in parallel, and also some false tolerance. So really the uh, scalability is the fact that, you know, you know while you're growing uh, your, uh, your SI system, you don't necessarily need to redefine how anything works. So you can just keep you know, increasing your size over and over and over again, but you don't need to change anything. Uh, this is uh, you know the benefits of the local interactions. Uh, yes, you know, if you keep increasing the size, the only thing you know that's uh, that's really changes is the size. But then you know since everyone just interacts locally, you still will get some merchant behavior at the group level. Uh, so yeah, nothing really lost by uh, by adding uh, uh, or start increasing the size of an SI system. Another thing that's actually really possible is parallel action, uh, which really just means that people can perform uh, uh, different tasks all at the same time. Uh, so that's something that's really, uh, really cool as well. So, you know, people are performing their tasks all in real time. So it's a really uh, interesting thing. And also, since this just goes back to self-organization, this means that you can solve things uh, in, in real time. and. Uh, even if there are different tasks, so you don't necessarily you're not necessarily stuck with only just doing one thing uh, with a swarm uh, intelligence system. And uh, lastly, the other uh, benefits as well is that you get fault tolerance, and this arises from the decentralized, self-organized nature of a of an SI system. Uh, you know, since there's so many uh, you know uh, interchangeable. Uh, agents, you know, one comes in, the other comes out, boom, there you go, it's still working. Uh, and since there's no one actually in control, even if, you know, one or a couple of agents start failing, or they have to leave, uh, you know, there's really no problem, the system can just continue going on. And, you know, if these people are failing, you can kick them out and then just substitute them with another uh, agent and boom, you're just back to functioning. So this is you know, a really great property uh, of them is, you know, is this fault tolerance. So even if there is, you know, a couple of faults going on, you can still keep running. And so, you know, going to uh, some examples of, uh, of SI. So as I said a little bit earlier, uh, you have ants, uh, you also have uh, bees, and also mentioned uh, Let's see here. Oh yeah, I also did mention uh, <laughs> uh, a fly of starlings or a flock of storks. So those are uh, you know real-world examples, biological examples of uh, of SI. And so one uh, example uh, I'll go into a little bit more. It's just uh, it's just bees because uh, you know really what bees do is just like pretty amazing. And so you know one example. Uh, 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 with bees when it comes to bee colonies is you know what happens when a bee well, when the bees have to leave their colony so you know bees you know they'll start looking for 
you know, for a new colony. And it's like, all right, so how do we figure out where to even move? And the cool part is that they actually use SI for this. And, you know, once again, you have a decentralized system. Uh, sorry, decentralized self-organized system. And so this is what they're, you know, actually using. And the cool part is that bees, you know, you know, uh, actually uh, uh, over 80% of the time find an optimal site using, you know, SI. Uh, and of course, this is done at the collective level, not at the individual level. So this just shows how, uh, you know, you know, how great SI is and just the efficacy of actually using it, especially for group decision making. So when it comes to actually how the bees are doing this, so uh, so a couple of bees will actually uh, split off from uh, from the bee colony, and these are scout bees. They're the ones actually scouting for new locations. You have, you know, a couple hundreds of scout bees just, you know, running around, just flying, looking for, uh, for a new home. You know, they might have to go, you know, a couple of miles uh, just looking for a place to go and so you know what these scout bees do is that they go out they scout for these locations and then they uh, they make an assessment they're like okay this location's okay this location's uh, good and then you know eventually these scouts all come back to the colony and they do what's called a waggle dance <laughs> and so doing this waggle dance they convey uh, some information to the group, so they, they tell them the quality of the new uh, uh, the new uh, the new environment that they found, and so you know they also include the quality of uh, of any resources that they found there as well. And so while they're doing the waggle dance, the real cool thing is that they actually keep a track of the uh, of the assessments. So, you know, whoever, you know, brings an assessment and it's good. Okay, great. We'll stick with that until we find a better assessment. So once they find a better assessment, now they're sticking with that one. And so they just keep running through this process till they find uh, the best, uh, the best new home uh, for the colony. And so, you know, it's just really amazing how they, you know, how they do this. And so, you know, it's, you know, comp you know, decentralized, self-organized, and it's just, uh, you know, you just have, you know, a couple of uh, scalpies, you know, very simple role, just go out to the environment, assess it, come back. But, it's, you know, it's a very complex decision. There's so many, you know, factors going on. But they're able to, you know, get, you know, pick an eligible location more than 80% uh, of the time. So, they <laughs> so it does work. Uh, it really does work. And so uh, that's just one uh, really cool example that I want to mention. Uh, you see SI in a lot of uh, uh, a lot of other species as well. You uh, see in spider monkeys. Uh, you see in social spiders, uh, birds, as I mentioned uh, a little bit earlier. Uh, yeah, so a lot of really you know really cool examples. And so really, just another way of thinking of SI is that. You know, it's really just kind of like if you're going to make a network, uh, well, uh, a really complex real-time network of, you know, of brains. So just get all, you know, get everyone's brains to work together at the same time. So just like how, uh, you know, your own brain works, uh, which is, which in itself is just a complex real-time network. Now you have, you know, with, uh, with SI, you have 
a complex real-time network of complex real-time networks. <laughs> so it's a uh, uh, it's kind of like a meta level. So it's pretty much just a brain of brains. Uh, and of course, you know, the most important thing is the fact that it can out outperform individuals. You know, if it can outperform individuals, it would be very, uh, excuse me, very problematic. So then, you know, moving on uh, from there, we also have artificial swarm intelligence. And, you know, as I said a little bit, this is the use of artificial intelligence uh, uh, systems and agents uh, to simulate uh, swarm intelligence in different areas. So you can use it for, you know, well, one for humans, you know, it's usually called a uh, human swarming. And then you can also, you know, uh, as, as a syllabus, you can use it for robotics. So you, so you can actually get robots to figure out how to work together to solve problems. So one of the really cool uh, applications is using for uh, really just to get feedback uh, from a group to make a decision. So kind of like, you know, instead of using like a survey or a poll, you know, you would use uh, uh, SI instead. So, you know, you just get people together <laughs> in a real-time system and get them to, uh, you know, pretty much just answer questions <laughs> all at, uh, all really in real time. Yeah, and actually some studies have shown that uh, SI actually does lead to better results than just traditional uh, surveys and polling. So, you know, really interesting. And so another example uh, is also an, uh, well, application, sorry, it's in uh, logistics and transportation. So uh, an example here is uh, Southwest Airlines uh, trying to figure out uh, pretty much uh, how to actually store their cargo uh, you know, actually at, uh, at airports and just trying to make sure that they're not constantly, you know, full all the time. So, you know, just trying to make sure that, you know, cargo space is used uh, effectively. You know, one thing I actually forgot to say before that is that, you know, usually where, you know, uh, artificial swarm intelligence comes in, uh, at least when it comes to, for us, for humans, uh, especially when it comes to like uh, data science, it's really more of an optimization issue. So usually, you know, if you have a problem and you're trying to uh, optimize uh, your results, so you know you have some constraints and you have to uh, solve something based on those constraints, that's usually when you have an optimization problem. Uh, and so, you know, an example of course with of that, of course, <laughs> sorry, of course that would be when ants are looking for food. Uh, you know, in an environment. And so, you know, they got to, you know, try to find this food, you know, uh, usually with like the shortest or the easiest path possible because you don't want to have people just going all over the place, wasting energy. So that's their optimization problem is how they find food. Uh, uh, well, what trail is the best for finding food? So that's usually where you'll see a lot of SI uh, applications or, uh, sorry, algorithms is really when it comes to optimization. And you can find, you know, optimization is pretty much, uh, uh, you can usually find optimization problems pretty much anywhere. <laughs> so uh, so that also helps, you know, make SI uh, also very flexible in the, in the problems it can solve. So going back to the uh, Southwest uh, example, really the issue that they had was that they had to store cargo in airports uh, 
uh, pretty much at fault all the time. But the problem was that you know, their flights only had you know, a small percentage of the cargo actually occupied. So you know, at the airport, they're occupying way more space than their flights actually needed. So, you know, so they need to figure out, you know, how exactly they were going to, you know, uh, you know, pretty much, you know, how are they actually going to optimize their usage of uh, cargo space? And so, you know, this actually relates back to the example also seen with the ants, you know, how do they uh, maximize their trails and uh, sort their trails to go find food. And so when it comes to uh, the Southwest, really what they did was try to figure out you know, the best way you know, uh, to optimize their cargo. And so they tried a couple of things, but uh, uh, really in the end, they were able to reduce uh, their uh, transfer uh, uh, rates for their, uh, for their freight, but also reduce the amount of you know, stuff they needed for, uh, for cargo since they can more uh, efficiently, sorry, efficiently, uh, you know, since they're optimizing with SI, to figure out you know, how to reduce the amount of storage space that they actually needed, and making sure that they only use storage space uh, as in. And so, you know, since they're able to open up their, you know, cargo space, they actually start offering it uh, to other companies. So this is, you know, this is the way they actually made extra dough by optimizing their own processes. So another example, which I think, uh, you know, should be easier to understand, uh, and also uh, one that also pretty much does apply to Uber or really any ride-sharing uh, platform as well, uh, is the case of Pina Petroli uh, in Switzerland. Yeah, that's a heating oil company, and so they had a lot of uh, uh, of cars which actually transported. Uh, their supplies and so uh, it was very difficult for them to actually uh, you know, have their trucks moving at uh, an efficient rate because of a large number of constraints so you know, one of course is traffic <laughs> traffic's terrible everywhere uh, you know bad weather uh, narrow roads you know just emergency calls you know different uh, sizes of trucks and hoses uh, so this really has made operations kind of like a hell. And so once you have all these constraints, this is really where you know, uh, SI comes in because SI is made to optimize given uh, your constraints. So they, uh, you know, looks like they used uh, the ant example again. And so one of the interesting uh, artificial swarm intelligence algorithms is actually called ant uh, colony optimization, which reflects the same uh, process that I mentioned earlier about how ants search for food uh, in their environment. So that's pretty much the same uh, principle that they were using here. So pretty much making sure that, you know, large ant, uh, sorry, large trucks then go in their routes and making sure that all this information was exchanged in real time, most importantly. And so since this was uh, exchanged in real time, you know, large trucks knew um, what routes were narrow, which ones weren't, and they ensured that, you know, uh, that the trucks actually, you know, uh, made the calls as appropriate. You know, this really helped them, you know, reduce the amount of travel time, and, you know, they were technically able to 
you know, do a little bit of a stigma to just land, you know, since, you know, one vehicle would go with one route, leave a note, and then another uh, vehicle will take that note and go on from there. So, a nice little example of stigmergy. But this also, you know, uh, applies as well in cases of, uh, you know, uh, of ride-sharing companies. Because, you know, let's say they're trying to figure out the best routes, uh, you know, given certain constraints. So, of course, you know, traffic is a constraint, uh, time is a constraint. And so another thing they can also do is use SI to optimize, you know, figure out what is the best route to take uh, to get to a destination. And, uh, you know, at least in computer science, another uh, way of thinking about that is also the traveling salesman problem. So that's a classic problem in computer science, which uh, SI also uh, helps out with. And so, and so yeah, uh, Swarm intelligence itself is becoming you know, much more popular. Uh, you know, lots of new uh, companies and services are being developed around uh, this technology. And so I do expect this one to you know actually grow pretty fast, just considering uh, the flexibility uh, of uh, of SI and its uh, ability to uh, uh, provide generally improved benefits over existing methods. So, you know, in the case of crowdsourcing, you know, usually giving better uh, uh, better results than just using traditional survey or polling. And so that's pretty much it for the episode. Uh, if you have any questions about SI or, uh, excuse me, uh, or about uh, artificial swarm intelligence, collective intelligence, uh, please send an email to ledgerback.gmail.com. And also, please look at the episode as I am going to include some uh, references, uh, which I used to make this episode. So thank you for listening and uh, coming in to another episode of the Mount series on Musings. Once again, this is Charles with Legendary Digital Commons Research Cooperative. You know, if you want to help support our work, you can donate on our website. Or you can uh, contribute by helping us out. Uh, you know, by volunteering or joining as a member, which I much rather prefer. Or you can just uh, make sure that uh, people know about this podcast and, uh, you know, mention it to your friends. Uh, you know, and also, you know, if you do want to sponsor this podcast, uh, you know, we're more than welcoming <laughs> for sponsors. So, yeah, if you're considering it, you know, please do. And so, uh, you know, once again, this is uh, Charles Electric Digital Constitution Cooperative. Uh, this is an episode made by me speaking into microphones and reading uh, somewhat vigorously and forgetting about all the SI stuff I read a couple months ago and trying to go over it now. So sorry about that. You know, sorry about my voice. Uh, I did bite my tongue a couple days ago and it still actually hurts. You know, hopefully this goes away. Uh, and lastly, you know, have a you know, a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. You know, if I don't make another episode, or, nor do I ever hear from you, you know, if you have any questions, comments, concerns, send an email to ledgerbag at gmail.com or hit us up on Twitter at ledgerbag or on Medium at ledgerbag. We're also on Reddit, ledgerbag. You know, you see a pattern here. <laughs> Just search for ledgerbag. Usually you'll find us. So, you know, once again, thanks for listening in. And this is Charles signing off.